Welcome to this Mount Pleasant Baptist Church podcast recorded at our Burgoon campus. We're glad you've joined us and we pray that the Lord will speak to you and encourage you through this message. Today we continue with our series titled But God and today with the theme of acceptance. I'm going to focus on acceptance in a relationship. And it's easy for us to accept and have a relationship with those who we like and those who like us, right? Those who make us feel good. And, uh, but we've, we find it a little bit difficult, don't we, uh, to accept and have a relationship with someone who is not like us, right? Who's not like me. Uh, they're a bit different and uh, may, might not have the same beliefs or values that I have. And we can have a bit of a prejudice against them. And that makes relationships difficult. And I searched up some quotes and I asked Dr. Google about acceptance and uh, there were so many. And I, I don't know, I have to be honest, I don't know if I can accept them all. Um, for some, some of them actually contradicted one another. Some were good and some were just awful. They were, just, they were terrible. Um, but in the end, I accepted that I was very confused. Um, in the midst of all of these quotes that were there. And, um, but one of the quote or inspirational saying that stood out was this. Or about acceptance. is that be you and the world will adjust. Be you and the world will adjust. Right? And I think that's the voice of the world at the moment. You be who you, who or whatever you want to be and they, the rest of the world, will need to accept you and change accordingly. Well, most of the quotes and inspirational sayings about acceptance focus on the individual, right? About that individual, that person and what would bring them happiness and peace in their lives, but more importantly, focused, it actually focused on, the, on their worth, on their value. So if you were accepted, there was worth and value in you. But if you weren't accepted, what does that mean? You're worthless? What if I am being who I am, right? I'm being Michael, and the world doesn't accept me then where is my worth and where is my value? What happens to my happiness, my joy that I'm supposed to be having in this acceptance? Um, when I'm not accepted, what happens to all of that? Does that mean I'm not valued? I'm just, I'm just to accept that I am not valued, I'm not, I'm not worth anything, and then just move on, live the life that uh, I should be living? Well, let's see what God says about acceptance. Well, to put our reading into context, let's have a look at Peter's ministry as recorded in the book of Acts chapters 9 to 10, right? This, um, this whole narrative actually kind of starts at the end of chapter 9 and goes into chapter 11. It's a long passage. And my reading today is 10, 28, and 29, which kind of fits in the middle. So I'm just going to cover um, and 
cover the storylines just quickly and to put um, the, the reading, the scripture for today into context, all right? So, um, and before we do that, uh, we need to know that there were these purity laws that G, uh, the Jews and Peter was holding on to, right? The laws that was given by God to Moses and, and Aaron, um, uh, it's recorded in the book of Leviticus, chapter 11, all right? There's all these laws you, that you shouldn't, the foods that you shouldn't eat, the things that you shouldn't do to keep yourself clean, otherwise you'll become unclean and then you have to go and wash yourself or you have to make yourself clean and or you have to go and do sacrifice. So all these kind of laws that was given to the people, the Israelites, right, the chosen people. Now, there was what God was um, letting the Israelites know through all of this was that firstly, that they were to be a people set apart for God. And secondly, it revealed God's holiness. And lastly, it served as a reminder to the people to live a pure, holy life. All right, let's keep that in the back of our mind as we go through uh, the message today. So Luke begins with the narrative of Saul's conversion in chapter 9. Right, after the uh, persecution of the church and Saul's conversion, it is recorded that the church throughout Judea, Galilee and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened. And in verse 31 of chapter 9, it says, And the living in the fear, the awe and wonder of the Lord, the believers were encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and the church increased in number. And Peter at this time travels to the town of Lydda, where he meets a paralyzed, bedridden Aeneas, and he heals him. And in chapter 9, verse 35, it says, all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw Peter and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. Her name in Greek was Dorcas, who died. But as the disciples of the town heard that Peter was in Lydda, they sent for him. And Peter goes to Joppa and raises her from dead. And in verse 42 of chapter 9, it said, they, This become known all over Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Now, after this event, Peter stays with a tenor named Simon in Joppa. And this is quite significant for uh, what is about to take place. And as we get into chapter 10, we are introduced to a God-fearing centurion named Cornelius. Now, God-fearing were Gentiles, God-fearers were Gentiles who worshipped the God of Israel in Jewish synagogues but refused to be circumcised and to be converted to take on full Judaism. Right? So they were called God-fearers. And as they call, um, they weren't called proselytes. They're, they're the ones who actually went through the full circumcision and took on full Judaism. Anyway, throughout the narrative... Luke stresses the point that Cornelius is a Gentile. Even though he's a God-fearer, he's a Gentile. And as Cornelius was praying, he has a vision and is instructed to send his servant to Peter in Joppa. And while this is happening, Peter, who is in Joppa, staying at Simon Tanner's house, goes to the rooftop to pray. And as he was praying, he fell into a trance. 
And this is what is recorded in chapter 10, verse 11 and 13. He saw heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. It contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. Then a voice told him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. The voice spoke to him a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times. Now, Peter was instructed to kill and eat all these animals which were presented before him. Now, this would break the purity law and hence Peter's strong objection. As we move into chapter 10, verse 17, Peter is wondering what this trance, this vision that he had was all about. The three servants of Cornelius arrive and ask for Peter, and the Holy Spirit instructs Peter to go with them. He said, do not hesitate, go with them. Now, what is interesting and maybe significant, maybe not, about this directive from this port town of Joppa is that many, many, many years before, another one of God's servants was instructed to go, but he he refused to go. He actually went in the opposite direction, didn't he? It was Jonah. Jonah was asked to go to the heathen nation, to the Gentiles of Nineveh. But Jonah disobeyed God and got into a boat from Joppa and had it in the, different direc- in the wrong direction, actually, where God was directing him to go. But now we read Peter is commanded to go from Joppa to Caesarea, to Cornelius' house, to a Gentile's house. And once Peter arrives, Cornelius shares his vision and the reason for sending his servants for Peter. And Peter finds out why he was sent for. He shares the good news to Cornelius and his household. And as Peter was saying, everyone who believes in him, Jesus receives forgiveness of sins through his name. The Holy Spirit came upon them, upon the household, and they began to pray in tongues and praise God. And hence, Peter baptizes them and stays at Cornelius' house. So after the easing of the persecution, the glory, the fame of Jesus is spreading, and many are coming to know the Lord, as we have heard And what is interesting about this narrative of Peter and Cornelius is that the evangelism to the Gentiles is about to really take off, right? They don't know this, but we do, because we have the Bible today, right? We can read a few chapters ahead. Um, They didn't know this. However, the purity laws that Peter and the Jews held on to was a hindrance. It was a barrier, to reaching the Gentiles with the good news of Jesus and really accept the Gentiles into the kingdom of God. And this is good for us to look at, to accepting those who are different to us today, right? Is there any hindrances, any prejudice that 
you or I might have today, now, that is a hindrance for the good news of Jesus, the gospel, to be spread, to be shared? Is there anything that I have that is hindering that from progressing? Something to think about. So what does God say about accepting the ones different to us, that we feel are different to us? Because God definitely don't see them as different. So today's scripture is from Acts chapter 10, verses 28 to 29. And this is what Peter says as he arrives at Cornelius' house. This is what he says. He says to them, those who had gathered, he said, those who gathered, you are well aware that it is against our law. It's against my law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you, why you sent for me? So let's unpack this passage and hear what God is saying about acceptance in relationships. I'm going to raise three points. And then I'm going to summarize those three points and hopefully uh, help us to understand how God has accepted us and how we can apply these points in our lives. So, first point. Firstly, we need to be open. We need to have an open mind and heart to what God is doing in the relationship, right? Whether it's just beginning, whether it's an ongoing one, or whether it's ending. We need to be open to what God is doing into that relationship. Peter says in Acts 10.28, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. While it was common knowledge and everyday life for Jews not to associate with Gentiles because the Gentiles were deemed unclean. There was no relationship with Gentiles. It was closed off and it was not accepted. Not only were the Jews not to associate with them, there was no way that a Jew would enter the house of a Gentile for everything was deemed unclean. But now God is working in Peter. He's working in Peter to break down this barrier this hindrance in accepting the Gentiles into the kingdom of God. Now, Peter knows this, and he enters the house of Gentile. Peter himself was open to what God was doing, even though he did not know what was going on. He didn't know what was going on, but he was open to God and what he was doing. Secondly, We should not have any objections to what God is doing in the relationship. Uh, No objections to what God is doing in the relationship. Peter says, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Peter's view, his tradition, culture says Gentiles are unclean. Just stay away from them. But God exposes Peter to the uncleanness and reveals to Peter the prejudice that he has in his heart. Peter stays 
at whose house in Joppa? Simon the Tanner. A house which, he had be, which would have been deemed unclean for he would, he would have seen dead animals, skins of animals. And Simon would have been deemed unclean as he would have worked with carcasses, dead animals. And that was one of the things that was deemed someone unclean, touching of dead animals. And, you know, this is, this is God's humour. He puts Peter into the midst of this uncleanness and says, hey, Peter, you stay there and stay clean. It's like God is working in Peter. And no wonder he's surrounded by these uncleanness. He goes to the rooftop and he starts to pray and he falls into a trance and God says, do not call anything impure or unclean that God has made clean. Right? God has made it clean, Peter. And he would have smelt the uncleanness as well in Simon's house. Right? It, was, it was right in front of him. He could not deny it. There would have been no misunderstanding. Peter was surrounded by it. And God says, no, do not object, for I have made it clean. I have purified what was unclean. Now, Peter could not object to what God had said, and there was no buts, no traditions, no culture, no expectation, nothing that he could put up against what God had said. And I guess this was what Peter was pondering on. What does this mean? The things that I grew up with, which was deemed unclean, is now clean. The things that I grew up with, the things that I thought I knew and understood, God's flipped it on its head. What does this mean? What does it mean not to object to what God is doing? What God has done or he's actually doing? Lastly, we need to be obedient to what God is doing in the relationship. We need to be obedient to God in what he's doing in the relationship. In, in the relationship. It's not enough to be open with no objections, but we also need to be obedient to what God is doing in the relationship. Peter says, so when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you sent for me? Peter had no idea. No idea why he was to go to Cornelius' house, but he was obedient to go for the spirit had instructed him. God told him to go. Do not hesitate to go with them, for I have sent them. Unlike Jonah, Peter goes to the Gentiles. He's open, has no objections, and is obedient to what God is doing. So let me bring these three points together. Firstly, we need to be open to what God is doing in the relationship. Secondly, there should be no objections to what God is doing. And lastly, we need to be obedient to what God is doing. And these three points converge on the cross. As God accepted sinners into a relationship with the triune God, these three points actually converge on the cross. And to understand true essence of acceptance, God's acceptance, we need to look at acceptance through the lens of the cross. 
Firstly, we, though we were still seen as Jesus, the Son of God, accepted us as he was open to be the sacrificial lamb. Though we were his enemies, Jesus, the Son of God, accepted us as he did not object to dying on the cross. Though we were dead in our transgressions, Jesus, the Son of God, accepted us as he obediently shed his blood for us that we may live. The world says acceptance in relationship is what you can get out of it. But God says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the other. God's acceptance is firstly focused on the other. And secondly, the relationship, the acceptance actually brings life to that relationship. It is all about salvation, that lives will be saved, bringing true happiness, joy, peace, but most important of all, the realisation that you and I are valued so much that the Son of God would die for us. When we begin to not the focus on ourselves, but on the other, we tell them how much they're worth, how much they're valued. And God has done that for us on the cross. There's no way we can accept anyone as God intended acceptance to be unless we look through the lens of the cross and what was done on the cross. So as I close, let's have a look at what we have shared. Peter heals Aeneas, and all those who lived in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. Peter raises Tabitha to life in Joppa, and the result is that many people believed in the Lord. Peter, even though it was against culture, against tradition, against all expectation, he is open to God and goes to Cornelius' house without any objection, obedient to his calling, and shares the good news to Cornelius and his household. And the result is that Cornelius and the household receive salvation. Jesus modeled what true acceptance looks like on the cross, sins forgiven, Enemies embraced and dead given eternal life. He was open to the will of the Father. As we know, Jesus prayed in the garden before being betrayed. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but your will, but yours be done. You know, Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, Thy will be done. Jesus had no objections. And Jesus was willing and obedient.
to the Father's way. So what about us? For us to accept others as God has revealed to us, we need to, we need to give up our prejudices, our expectations, and in our relationship, if any prejudice, if any hindrance is present, we need to come before God and repent. We need to ask God to take these, whatever it is, in our heart, away. Because the willingness to accept and repent of past prejudice or the current ones that we hold will go a long way in healing relationships and forging new relationships. And we also need to grapple with the things that we are uncomfortable with. We need to take them in prayer. Right? We need to take them in prayer. What was Peter and Cornelius doing? They were praying. They were praying when God came and touched them. We need to do that. There are things in this world, in our relationships, or trying to reach out to people of different religions, different understandings, different genders, sexuality. It's hard for us, but we need to grapple with these. Right? We don't put up barriers. We go to God. Right? We need to go to God. And we need to allow God to work in us. We need to be open to him. Yes, have our conversations, but I know God will work in us. No objections, but let's be obedient to what God is calling us to reach out into our communities reach out in our workplaces, in our schools, wherever we are, even, even shopping centre aisles, right? Let's reach out and accept those that God placed in front of us and across our path. Let's pray. Lord, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your son and what your son have done on the cross Lord, if there was anything in our hearts, in my heart, any prejudice against anyone, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Lord, and you know the things that I struggle with in relationships. You know the things that I struggle with. When I've been wronged or those who just won't accept me, Lord. Lord, I'll bring all of that before you. Please teach me. Show me. Help me to turn the other cheek. Help me to turn and find a new way to build a relationship. Your way. Not my way, but your way. Grant us wisdom in that, Lord. Grant us wisdom. Help us to love as you have loved us. Help us to accept those who are different from us as you have accepted all of humanity when you gave us your son. Thank you, Lord. Continue to work in us. 
transform us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We would love to hear from you. If you would like prayer, please submit a prayer request at mounties.org.au forward slash prayer or send an email to communications at mounties.org.au and one of our team will be in contact. Have a great week.